Hey friends, welcome to t- today's episode of Enough for Today. It's Monday, May 22nd, and I'm so glad that you have uh, joined me for today. I'm sorry, for a minute there I wanted to make sure my microphone was on my head. Um, anyway, happy Monday. Thanks for joining me. We're coming off a wonderful weekend at Emmanuel. So thankful for the good work that God did. Uh, yesterday, two services through uh, John 14. We finished up John 14 uh, talking about peace. We're loved enough to enjoy peace. And what what happens when we dig in, drill in, and practice the companionship, enjoy the presence of God? If you didn't catch the message, I hope you will on the live stream tonight at 7 or anytime on the archive or the podcast. Uh, it's there for your consumption. Thank you for joining me right now. We're in Psalm 78 as we start a new week. Um, I have a full week ahead and looking forward to it. So I'm going to be actually today pre-recording through the rest of the week. And, uh, and so uh, we'll, we're going to make some, we're going to, we're going to cover some distance today in Psalm 78 in particular, but it's going to be a wonderful week together. So thanks for joining me. So we're going to pick it up here in Psalm 78 and verse 40. We left off, we're talking about the rebellion of the Northern kingdom, especially we're talking about how they, uh, were not right with God. They rebelled, they defied, they betrayed, they rejected God. And yet, verse 38, he was full of compassion. He was forgiving their iniquity, uh, destroyed them not. Many times he turned away his anger. This is talking about the history of the people, okay? Um, and now we pick it up in verse 40, which is still, again, historically rehearsing the interventions of God, the saving, righteous justice and anger and mercy and grace of God all at once sweeping into Egypt and and rescuing his people from the jaws of oppression and death and yet how they refused still to follow him so it's this contrast of the 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 loving one thing we're learning in this psalm is that it's not a dual nature it's a unified nature of God but we see it through, through the lenses of two realities. We see on one hand the gentle, shepherding, generous, lavish, loving heart of God. But we see the counter manifestation of that. Again, it's a unified character. These are not in conflict with each other, but they do contrast each other to some degree. We see on the other side the, the justice, the vindication, the righteous anger and indignation of God, the judgment of God. And we see these together in the same God. And we see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And they need to stay together. Why? Because God is good. And if he's not angry at sin, and and if he's not going to bring down final judgment, then he's either not good, or he's ambivalent and doesn't care, which makes him not good, or he's not powerful enough to do anything about it. Okay, But the fact is, if he is all-powerful and if he is good, then he must take action against evil and sin. He must step in and bring forth judgment. And it must be uh, stronger than the sin itself. It must be stronger than death and stronger than evil. So it's going to be pretty vicious in its expression, but it's going to be thoroughly righteous as well. It's going to be thoroughly holy and right and just, fair, reasonable, and if you think, wow, God's justice is huge. A lady asked me yesterday at church, and this was a brilliant question. She said, why did God have to put Jesus through so much? It seems so extreme 
that he had to suffer so much? And I said, that's a really good question. From our vantage point, it seems like he had to go through so much. But the answer to that question is, that's how bad sin is. That's how bad death is. That's how significant the course of action that needed to be taken. That's how drastic the measures are that needed to be taken. And I said, we understand this in the sense of if somebody has a terribly uh, contagious, 100% lethal virus or contagion, what do we do? We quarantine that person. Well, isn't that extreme? It's not extreme when you consider the fact that this person is breathing death on everybody. It's 100% lethal. So we take extreme measures and we understand those measures as just. It would be unjust to let that person be out of quarantine because they would be unavoidably bringing about the death of so many other people. So we understand uh, extreme measures in those kinds of terms. Well, when you understand God's righteous justice in his heart and you understand the extreme measures that he took, all that tells you is that's what sin demands. That's what evil demands. So we're going to see God moving in swift um, anger, justice, and and what it seems to be extreme measures. We're going to he's going to talk through the uh, the plagues of Egypt, but this was what it was necessary out of the righteous justice and vindication of God on behalf of His loving and merciful heart to redeem His people. So, verse forty: How oft did they provoke Him in the wilderness? We're talking about the people wandering in the wilderness in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How often they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Yea, they turned back and tempted and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Now, I want to pause here today because we're already seven minutes, almost eight minutes in. And at this point, he's going to unfold the signs and wonders that God did in Egypt. But I want you to see this. God's people, though they were delivered, though they'd experienced this wonderful, redeeming intervention, they still provoked God in the wilderness. They grieved him in the desert. They turned back. They tempted him. And they limited him. Why? Verse 42, because they didn't remember. So, so here's the takeaway, my friends. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going into today, if you want to avoid the path of provoking, grieving, turning back, tempting, limiting God in your life, the antidote, the antithesis of that is to remember. What did Jesus give us the Lord's table for? This do in remembrance of me. He said, I don't want you to get too far away. I want you to stay very close to remembering what I've done for you. Remember, remember, remember. This is what we do in church every Sunday. This is what we do right here, right now, every day. We take time to pause and remember who, who God is, who we are, what he's done for us. And that sets the framework of he's still active. He's still doing things in us and for us and around us. And it keeps our heart soft and close and it keeps him free to work in our lives. My friend, this is the journey. Don't get bored. Don't get bored with remembering the gospel, remembering the work of Jesus, remembering the love of Jesus, remembering the magnitude of what has been done for you to save you. You have been delivered. 
God has intervened. He has done a marvelous work for you if you are a believer. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. The first step away from God, away from church, away from all of his future blessings and unfolding script and storyline of your life, the first step out of the adventure of doing life with Jesus and knowing his presence and his peace and experiencing these things, the first step away is not that God pulls away from you, it's that we pull away from him. It's that we fail to remember. We choose to be distracted by all the shiny things that distract us and call us away and all the temporary and immediate pleasures and gratifications, and we, uh, we, we forget. So my friend today and this week, I encourage you to remember. Happy Monday. Thanks for joining me. We will pick it up at verse 43 tomorrow. Have a good day.